Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery. Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. My no, my no, do, 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 do. My no, my no, do, 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 do. Remember that? Remember the Muppets? I certainly remember the Muppets. Hi, everyone. I'm the host of J Rod Concerts, the podcast. This and every episode, my name is Jamie Rodriguez, where we bring you good music and fresh talents from around the world. Let's get started, shan't we? And guys, what a talent from Nashville today, guys. Christina Vane, groundbreaking singer-songwriter. Her new album, Nowhere Sounds Lovely, out April 2nd. And guys, where do we even start with this incredible soul? I mean, she is um, of Italian descent, originally from Europe. She draws inspiration from all over the world, really. You know, she stopped by London, went to New York, via California, Venice Beach, and now in Nashville. So her, um, her influences are wide, deep, and varied. She is a true, true artist, and she is amazing. You know, blues, Delta blues, American folk music, it just pours out of her incredible guitar. Had a chance to see her perform live uh, the other day in Nashville, and it, it, she just blew the room away. People just stopped moving in their tracks and just checked her out. She was unbelievable. Check out her the first single of her new album. It's called Badlands. So if you want to start there, it's a good place to start. But yeah, she's you know she's open for folks like Bob Weir, we know Judd, Dwayne Betts, Duke Robillard. You know she's she's been you know playing for organizations like Jamming the Van uh, at the Fillmore San Francisco. And yeah, I mean she she's amazing. I mean she spent her childhood and adolescence just studying classical voice, musical theory, piano, flute, and really consumed by music. Uh, her whole life. So I think you guys will really dig Christina. For more information, guys, ChristinaVane.com. Really cool merch she's got, actually. So check that out. Um, so ChristinaVane.com. And her record drops April 2nd. Nowhere sounds lovely. So let's just jump straight to it, guys. What do you say? Christina Vane on J-Rock Concerts, the podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Look at you, Christina Vane. What a talent you are. Thank you. That's so nice. I was like, look at me. I didn't put any makeup on. This is I love it. No, I love it. You're super fashionable. You know, strawberry shortcake thing going on. Like, I love it. Whatever that is. It's like super cool. I don't know if you can see this is one of my new favorite shirts. It says, um, I have so much room in my heart. Exactly. Okay. I love it. Listen. That that should be our motto for everybody. I love it. (laughs) So much room in my heart. Yeah, I know. We all need a little more mushroom nowadays. That's for sure. Oh, well. (laughs) Christina. Well, listen, I mean, Nowhere Sounds Lovely. Your album comes out April 2nd. We had a chance to preview it. And um, I mean, first of all, it's spectacular. So congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long time in the making. I mean, (laughs) it didn't take an excessively long time to make it. I uh, recorded it. I think I started in February, 2018 though. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a long time between the recording. Then I went on tour while we were mixing. So I had to right. do mixing virtually and I just was like, this isn't going to work. So I had to wait till the end of summer to come back in person and go in there and mix it properly. And we redid vocals and stuff. So, so were you mixing it like in the tour bus, like in the hotel rooms, like that kind of thing? 
No, you well, first of all, love that you think I have a tour bus. Love that. I'm going <laughs> to mani- manifest that energy into the next year. Of course. Um, I drive around in my car and I do a lot of camping when I go touring. So gotcha. it wasn't the easiest to, it just didn't work because I didn't have pro speakers and I kept hearing, you know, hot this, this is the vocals are hot, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like listening through a JBL. So of course, yeah, that's tough. You know, it just and, made and it it's difficult. your baby. It's your baby. You want it perfect. Right. So I came back um, after tour and we mixed it and then we wanted to shop it. So it sat for another year or so while we were trying to see who might pick it up. Mm. And I finally just decided to put it out on my own because I love the record, um, but it's time to make some new music. And I, you know, I figured I could do a good job since no one picked it up. It might not be as the same as a label, but um, I just wanted to get it out into the world at this point, you know, so gotcha. it's almost like you like creatively, like you're evolving, like, and, and the album is like still not out there. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I wrote most of the songs on the record on a, my first ever kind of tour. And it was the summer before I recorded the record. So really I'd been playing a summers. I wrote them that summer and continued to start playing them during the gigs of that tour. Yeah. Because it was five months long, my tour. So they came out kind of throughout that five months. Mm. Then I moved to Nashville, started recording Mm. the songs. And this whole time I've been playing these songs live. Like, you know, so it's starting not to get old, but any musician knows what it feels like where you're like, yeah, I have stuff that reflects, you know, where I'm at now. And this reflected where I was two years ago and everybody changes, you know, hopefully so. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, everybody changes, but pro- like they say, change is automatic. Progress is not. So it's the progress <laughs> part that is the, the, the one that we choose, right? Totally. But uh, yeah, I mean, okay, we'll talk about the new songs in the, you know, the new album in just a second. But, um, you know, in full disclosure to my audience, Christina, a few days before taping this, I had a chance to, to see you perform some of the new material here in Nashville. Incredible, yeah. incredible. Thank Your you. songwriting just permeated through the walls and people were like stopped in their tracks, holding their beers, stop playing pool. Everyone just like stuck on your every word. It was really, really powerful to see. So that was a really cool feeling. Thanks. I mean, I just got goosebumps because that was the only show with human beings in a space that I've played all pandemic. I had my last show um, March 13th, I think at Acme with my string band and everything was starting to feel weird. Everyone was kind of noticing that we're probably headed towards something scary. And the very next day they issued the lockdown. So Mm. I personally, I've done some live streams from my house. I've done one from D's, but there was no one in the bar. Right. And um, so it was the, the, you know, D's has been doing a really great job as far as it goes during the pandemic. They put in filters, they keep everybody distant. They have, you know, you were there. Normally they even have the person taking the temperature. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just felt comfortable and I felt like, you know, I need to work a little bit. It's hard. I've been I've been doing other stuff for sure. And yeah. gigging mm-hmm. locally isn't necessarily always the biggest revenue income, but tips are like, you know, my grocery food and stuff like that. And I used to have four, sometimes five gigs a week. Um, but I have been doing a lot of like some voiceover stuff, some commercial acting, things that are other ways to make money that I find more yeah. safe. I don't really want to get a band together and endanger them right. with rehearsals and stuff. And I'm definitely not going to play unrehearsed. So, you know, I felt like taking a solo gig and a short set in a place I felt very safe with felt like mm-hmm. a really good, but self-indulgent thing for me to do. 
And um, so it's really nice to hear that it translated because I just ha I hadn't physically been in front of people with my instrument singing my songs for six months, you right. know. No, you it killed was a it. really intense feeling. <laughs> so I hope it came out. It sounded great. And some of the new sounds sounded outstanding. So, you know, Thanks. like, like, I, like, really, I wouldn't just be saying this. But yeah, you know, to introduce you to my audience, you know, from your 2016 EP Shades to now, just a great, great career in, in a short amount of time. You've opened for folks like Bob Weir, Winona Judd, Dwayne Vets, and played iconic venues like the Fillmore in San Francisco. So, you know, you're pretty modest, but like you're very accomplished. You're super talented <laughs> and we're happy to have you on the show. So welcome. Thank you. That's really nice. Yeah, of course, Christina. So, you know, I love your life. Your life story is like fascinating obviously um i mean you were born obviously in southern italy american dad central Actually, american yeah, mom. northern italy i was my dad's northern family italy. is sicilian like so he's a he's sicilian american he oh. was born in connecticut but his whole our extended family still lives in sicily and we're still close with them but i was actually born in the north in turin where the winter olympics yes. were all that time ago the coffee oh, yeah. lavasa and all that okay so big difference big difference because <laughs> you know the southern people they say you are happier in italy i love italy i've been there quite a few times but the northern people are the hardest working um yeah there's that like, stereotype, stereotype everywhere yeah. right it's it's here too you know the southerners or whatever and the northerners generate the money i think that um italy is really interesting i'm not going to get too into it because it's not a history lesson you're poor listeners but um Italy was unified very late. So each region mm -hmm. is still very like particular about even the dialect. People still associate strongly with the region over the country in some cases. So of course, yeah, yeah the North being close to Switzerland and Germany, having those influences, being close to France, right. very different personalities, usually very different that way of sense. interacting. And in the South, they had a lot of more Moorish and Arab and North African people okay. coming in and Greek. And so that that's the more stereotypical- Italian we're yeah. all tan and but in the in the north they're like sometimes blue-eyed and tall and not right, like me right. I'm like right. very Sicilian I, I just want to know how in the north they can eat so much gelato and like still look like sticks that's that's <laughs> the only that's but anyway that's for another episode yeah that's a big um, question yeah absolutely Christina and okay so you since you're an, since you were very young you started studying classical voice you know music theory piano and flute were your parents musical or like was it just like Northern Italy, European, like ambiance kind of thing? Um, well, my father is certainly very musical. He actually wanted to be an actor and be in theater, like mm -hmm. in musical acting, but he uh, actually came from pretty much nothing and just didn't have the means to do that and support himself when he was in college and, and paying for college and all that stuff. So he especially when he met my mom and they got married, kind of put those dreams aside and went to work in finance. Um, and in that sense, I feel like he's always been extra supportive of us because he right. wants to like provide the life that he wished That's he could nice. have. It is really nice. And he, so he's a, he's a great singer. He's a really big personality. My mom loves music, but she's not musical. She doesn't sing much. Yeah. Um, she sings pretty out of key if she does, but she loves yeah. music. And yeah, they started me with piano um, was the first thing, but I sang forever. Like I just always sang in my out crib. Out of the womb. Yeah. Honestly, I know it sounds cliche, but no, my mom no, told know. me a story of, you know, the baby monitor and she would hear this like, over the <laughs> you know, and she would come in and apparently what I would do is this is funny because <laughs> it's not my profession, but Apparently when I was a baby in the crib, I would take all my clothes off and throw everything out of the crib while I was singing the whole time and then fall asleep in my diaper, just 
like tired, you know? That's great. Um, Yeah, that's funny. So I think they always knew I liked music and uh, yeah, piano was the first thing. I was pretty good at it, but I never learned to sight read music. I just kind of memorized everything, which made my teacher crazy. And then, um, and then it just went from there. So you weren't like, you know, you're, you're like one of these like, you know, musicians that like, just like out of ear kind of thing. Yeah, I've always had a very strong ear. Um, I was in choirs a lot and that kind of makes you listen for your part and be able to sing with other people and stuff like that. And then I got, when I moved to Italy from Paris, because I moved around my whole life in Europe and I did grade school or primary school in in Paris. In in France, yeah. Yeah, and then I went to Italy for middle school. And in that time we were in a small town called Varese. There Mm. was a little music school um and everything was in italian but i took there i took theory so my theory is actually very like old school italian style theory but we did solfege and you know learn to read rhythms and notes and i also took voice lessons that whole time with the woman and i took six months of guitar lessons and that's when my guitar started for the first time and it was classical guitar like very strict Right. you know get your hand in the right position and i took about six months before my brother and i both stopped but uh it was enough to learn chords and that's later on became how i wrote songs because i knew well, my chords yeah. already they say here in nashville you just need what three chords and the truth but <laughs> they say they say thing, that for yeah. country but music it makes sense, but, actually like mm. sorry go ahead it's not true right well i was just gonna say that yeah, yeah, nashville yeah, yeah, yeah. is the I moved here because the musicianship is so astounding, you know, like, yes, for a good country song, you need three chords in the truth, but the musicians here definitely know all their chords. And then some, you know, yeah, yeah, (laughs) they they kick my butt. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's just a, that's just a joke. It's just a throwaway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I get it, but people who don't live here probably don't understand that you throw a rock in a bar and you hit an excellent musician, you know? Yeah. It's It's actually, yeah, it's, it's it's actually incredible. You say that because of the, um, the amount of talent here that sometimes you just see, like, it's just insane. But anyway, Christina. Okay. So this makes sense because you're so cultured and it translates to your music right and I think like you know the fact that you could go to the Louvre at like 13 and that kind of stuff like that thing matters man that thing like makes us makes a difference I think it really does matter I feel incredibly lucky you know because Mm -hmm. Paris was my playground I went back for high school and I was very um, emotional as a teenager I was very angsty I was very artistic I wanted to walk around the beautiful romantic streets and think about all the things that had happened there and I would go to a lot of art museums and take photos on my digital camera and yeah. cool artsy things like that so being in such a romantic and I'm a huge nerd so history the history of Paris and being surrounded by teachers who like would tell me about cool stuff that had happened in the very bars we would go out at night I really loved growing up in Paris and I do think it informed um, somewhat of my songwriting. I'll say that I mostly consumed either classic American stuff from my dad um, Mm. or stuff that even we couldn't ignore, like Blink-182 made it over to Europe, you know, Kings of Leon. But (laughs) it was a lot of European bands, a lot of British mostly, you know, because I was mostly speaking English, but I listened to some French stuff. I listened to a lot of English and- amazing. A lot of that was very contemporary. So it's kind of the opposite of, not the opposite, because it was still rock based. So with guitars and stuff, analog music, but um, it was very like, just more commercial sounding music than the music I've fallen in love with now, which is obviously Delta Mm -hmm. blues and country and bluegrass. Those things are so uniquely American. 
that when they come over to the UK, it's usually filtered pretty hard. Like Mumford and Sons have a banjo, but they are in no way bluegrass or, you know, (laughs) so I had no idea that whole world existed. And I was just like, I want to write, you know, sometime in high school, I want to write songs that have cool words and sound good. That was like my only criteria. I didn't have a style I was really going for. And my natural style that came out when I first started writing was really pop folk, like mm-hmm, sure. because so much of what I listened to was like the Cranberries and Alanis Morissette, where right. it's unique and it's individual and it's not pop music, but it's definitely popular. You know, it's it's sure. music that appeals to a lot of people. So yeah, it just took a long time for me to get here, but. I, until recently, didn't always acknowledge how even those things that feel very far away in my past did form me in some way to be who I am now. So it's kind of nice with this record to be able to tell my story because a lot of people just know that I didn't grow up here. And it's it's pretty complicated to explain the whole thing and why I sound American, but I'm not. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, you know, to be able to have the record explain that and talk to people like you about it in interviews is really refreshing for me because I can be like, look, I'm not as simple as I look, I promise. Like, oh, <laughs> there's, there's the a whole lot going on. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned Blink-182 and all that stuff because all that, all those things, like I even, you know, I even credit like, you know, my music, you know, journalism career to like those things, man. Like, like those things mattered, you know? They were, and, they and were they, weights, but yeah. I absolutely agree. And in fact, coming from a, uh, before I wrote music, I consumed it like so much more than I do now because I wasn't, you know, splitting my time between creating and listening. I was just right. listening, listening and I was going to concerts and I was reading NME and Kerrang and all of these magazines in the UK about, in, I knew every member of like, the indie band scene in the UK, the Libertines, all of those guys, Pete right. and Carl. Oh my God, my heart, oh my God. you know, That's... the Strokes, all of the indie bands, I was like right on top of that stuff. Right. And I liked classic rock and Motorhead and well, cool even things the like kill, that. Even the, even the good American ones, like the Killers, They even though they're from Vegas, they, they were too American London. for me. I didn't like right. them. Right. But, but, they but, were too yeah. poppy, but yeah, poppy. exactly. But it was arbitrary. London. Absolutely. And so we got, you know, I mentioned Kings of Leon. They were huge in Europe, apparently, when they were still pretty small here. So, like, I saw them when they were still pretty small here, but in France at a festival my family would go to on the Seine called Rock on Seine. I loved Oasis. You know, it was like a lot of these bands that aren't that important here or didn't have as much of an impact on the youth. But then people here talk about, you know, Sublime and stuff, and I've never, never listened to them. So. But Blink-182, right. I did love. Oh Loved that pop punk, yes. Blink-182. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Christina, so, okay, so, wow. It's just so fascinating talking to you. Okay, so your summers that you start gigging in New York and London. Let's let's go there because, like, okay, what a focus. Like, at such a young age, that hunger, that focus, where did the idea come from? And, like, this was the first time you kind of came to the States, right, New York? Yeah, so basically at 18, I moved to New Jersey for college and New Jersey was right over the border where I was, Princeton was right over the border from the city. Okay. Um, So I was already writing music. And to me, it's funny you say that because I actually always felt really behind because you have all these pop stars that get found when they're 18 years old or Taylor Swift was like 18, you know, or 16 or something crazy. And I thought at 18, 19, 20, I still wasn't pursuing music professionally should I drop out of college? Should I do something drastic? Of course, my dad was like, 
absolutely not. <laughs> um, and I thought he, I agreed with him, you know, I didn't fight him too hard on that. I thought it was good to have a backup in case music didn't work out for me, but I think I was just, um, surrounded by people that didn't really consider music a viable career option. Like I'm sure if they had been told that there's all these other things you can do in the music industry that don't involve being a famous star, they might've understood more, but my parents weren't like that so much, but just my peers, I was at, you know, an Ivy league school surrounded by people that were like going to wall street and and I was like, I want to be a musician. And they were like, what, but what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. So <laughs> it was, it was very interesting. And I, yeah, I was a sophomore, I think when I went home where my dad lived in London and I said, look, if I'm going to pursue music, I should probably figure out if I like to play shows for human beings. And I went around thinking back now is really funny. Like I just walked around my neighborhood with my little paper resume for music uh-huh. like I wrote this song I was sound clatter of the day and um went to bars that had music and gave them my name and my card and my soundcloud and I was like hey I want to play music and a few bars took me one of them being proud in Camden which yeah. I went back every week for most of the summer and it just started to feel like a, an important place in my life yeah. The booker was a young girl from France and she really liked me. And I played the smaller stages while, you know, bigger bands would come through. There was like two stages in the venue. It was a really mm-hmm. cool spot. And that place, I'm saying all that because that's where I first saw someone playing lap slide guitar. And I changed your life. Oh my God. It, it got me. Yeah, Blew your exactly. Mind. Blew my mind, had changed the director, yeah. the direction of my music. It gave me the sound I had been searching for oh to make my, God. my People own. People need to listen to you live and play that guitar. What's, what's the name of your guitar? <laughs> it has you. to have a name, right? Well, I actually think naming your instruments is lame. And then I was like, <laughs> I would totally name, I would name it. It's such a badass. No, name. no. But then yeah. I did. I decided to name it anyway, because I am not above that. And, be, and my other instruments do not have names. One has had a name and it was a very small, stout guitar. And we called it old stubby, me and my friend. But this guitar, um, so basically, fun fact about me is I hate oh, milk and dark chocolate, which is very strange. I've hated it my whole life. Everything, brownies, Oreos, chocolate milk. I just don't like it. Don't like but it. I love white chocolate. And this mm. guitar is called white chocolate. Because, oh, I love it. I love it. But what I love about this guitar the most is it has a mm. blue back and you can't see. It's stunning. It's, and it's a, for the audio audience, like I, I just don't know how to describe it. You just have to see it. But it's a unique <laughs> absolutely a unique instrument and it sounds so good oh thank you i really appreciate that yeah Yeah, i i am very lucky that um i just i worked at guitar shops uh the first one was in la and that's how i got to know the people at national which is the brand that makes this instrument and yeah just getting working at different shops and getting to know the different dealers and then being able to choose an instrument that was really what i wanted you know um yeah has just been super helpful because I, my guitar, it's not the nicest or fanciest resonator out there, but it's just like national makes such excellent instruments. And I played other resonators before that, that weren't as solidly made. And when I finally felt like I was coming into my sound and I had worked at the shop for a while, I knew what I wanted and I could get a good discount. I, you know, I got that guitar and I love it. 
I just love it so much. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Thanks. It's great. I'm glad other so, people like it too. So, okay. So you played Camden, you discovered this. Um, let me ask about LA because you briefly mentioned Los Angeles, but yeah. I, I, I find this chapter fascinating. You were almost there for four years, right? I was there for four years. And I mean, I guess you could take out the five months I spent touring because mm. I was technically in LA. I just subletted my apartment. But yeah, it was about almost exactly four years. I moved there with my ex-boyfriend out of college, out of New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And that imploded after a year or so. But we, I, we immediately moved to Venice because I didn't have a car. I was very European. I didn't have my license. And yeah, I saw in the video, you're like skateboarding. Do you, like, are you finding places here to skateboard in Nashville? No, no, right. There's, there's one place that's pretty fun that I have skateboarded, but it doesn't have any like hills. Any good slopes? And I don't, I don't right. want big hills. You know, I'm not trying to bomb hills and die. I just want to like get get a little <laughs> speed. Um, so I do. I miss that a lot. The California lifestyle um, was definitely right up my alley. I love the sunshine. I I'm a vegetarian, right. and I mm -hmm. used to lift weights so i went to gold's gym which is like the mecca is in los angeles and it was a huge gym and you could train outside and you had all this health food you're surrounded by crazy healthy people and like right not a big drinker and the drinks there are like 15 dollars anyway so it was a, it was a good lifestyle it was obviously really expensive and there are certain drawbacks about being in such a huge city because you're quickly <laughs> forgotten but um I really didn't move because I didn't like it. I moved because I think that being in Los Angeles in a surrounded by scenes that were not what I was doing, um, mostly like, of course, there's a few people that are playing Americana and even some that play slide, but there are not many, there's not many, people not many yeah. <clears throat> playing Americana and things like that compared to R and B and pop. And so right. I was like hacking away at this, trying to find my place and I just started getting wrapped up in like the wrong yeah. things you know and I feel like a lot yeah. of people there had a manager and representation it's, a, it, it's just a different thing I, I can't explain to people Nashville like there's this coffee shop I went to Music Road two days ago and like you go and there's uh, people just writing songs all the time like like casually you're like surrounded yeah. by the craft of Americana the whole thing it's just all right. around you and yeah. people who understand the references I'm making, because I'm not carbon copying old music. So I'm not like a traditional blues or or old time banjo player. I can be, you know, I can play covers all day, but my own music is referencing those things. So if you don't even speak that language originally, my music might sound cool. It was definitely like people were like, wow, that's cool. What's that thing? Whereas people are here are like, that's a cool dobro or steel guitar. That's a nice slide. I know what you're doing, you know? Definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I got really, really depressed like my third year and I was like, yeah. why don't I have a manager? Why don't I have fan? I had fans, but you know, not like I could you were busking on the boardwalk, right? Yeah. I was busking on the boardwalk a lot. I was making, it can be a little hard, right? Yeah. My, um, my first guitar actually got smashed on the boardwalk by a crazy drug addict. <clears throat> and I am really lucky he didn't punch me or do something worse. So there, there were some definitely interesting moments on the boardwalk, yeah. but it also gave me so much for my toolbox in terms of performing. Sure. Um, it formed how I- You've seen everything. Yeah, but I also, when you're on the boardwalk or busking anywhere, nobody owes you a listen. You know, when you go in a room, people will at least be like, I'm here, there's music, let me listen to what they're doing most of the time. If you're on a boardwalk, they're just going to walk by unless you captivate them in some way. Mm. So it kind of trained me to- 
challenge. Interesting. Yeah. To, to figure out what do people like? Why do they stop and watch other people? And I found that usually the common thread is just authenticity and it sounds really cliche, but when they would see a performer that was so into their thing that, you know, that you couldn't, you couldn't just walk by, you had to stop and look yeah. at this person who was consumed. Yeah. So I was like, I want to be that, you know, and, and just put all of my emotion into when I'm playing and singing. And I mostly played, like, I didn't learn all these pop songs. I had like two pop songs in my repertoire when I really needed some money. I'd play the Lumineers or play a Lord song I, and people would be like, oh, I love the song. But I actually <laughs> mostly played my own songs on the boardwalk. Which for you, yeah. I am proud of now looking back, you know, I still managed to get my tips and people would stop and buy CDs and stuff. And I, <laughs> at the time I didn't have CDs. So I just like burned CDs on my little laptop and right. sharp, sharpied them like Christina Vane, all my demos and stuff. So there are some people out there in the world that have, I, these, ho like, I hope they save them. I hope they, oh, I, I hope I, they don't. <laughs> I, actually, I, I actually have a Brandy Carlisle one. I couldn't find it during the move, but like really? in, in South by Southwest in 2016, in the 11th floor of the uh, Clarion Hotel, the twins were giving out CDs to anyone who would listen, you know, saying, hey, like we're trying. Actually, it was in 2016. It was like 2006. I'm sorry. And and uh, and they, they're like, do you want a CD? And I was with my friend Jeff and I'm like, sure. And I don't know where that CD is, but yeah. Yeah, well, um, I won't be too sad if they can't find it because I don't even know what those demos sound like anymore. But yeah, it, it formed me pretty much. But um, it also kind of broke me. I was just getting really down and was yeah. like, what, what's going yeah. on? Like, what am I doing? Why am I not good enough? And I realized that I had put my priorities in the entirely wrong basket and that, you know, things like a manager or a touring agent or things like that, like that's not why I play music and why I chose to play music. So I was tried to get- liberating when you had that breakthrough? It, it, was in, it was liberating once I actually followed through because what that logic le led me to was like, I need to get out of, of LA and tour. I've never really toured. I need to see if my music translates to a better audience, you know, or like yeah. whether it's, it's just where I am or whether maybe my stuff isn't translating to anybody. And that's and when I, you did that five month tour, which kind of like changed your life, right? That's right. Yeah. Everything has changed since then. I did five months of touring and it was my first time both living alone, camping that much. And did you go all over the US? I did. Yeah. And because I grew up elsewhere, I really wanted to see all these places too, as like a tourist, not just yeah. as a musician. So I stopped in between shows. I spent a lot of time at national parks. I went to like nice. Glacier, uh, the Grand Tetons. I went to obviously the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Just, I yeah. could, I won't even get into that. It was a whole thing. And so that was very inspiring for me because sure. a lot of the songs on this record aren't unlike troubled sleep, which is almost entirely about one guy who really hurt my feelings, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, we were dating, obviously like a romantic mm -hmm. thing. It was a lot about heartache and anger and the ways that he had wronged me and how he was a drug addict and whatever. And now, you know, I was like, I want to write about, Something, something more bigger. than that. I'm looking at this expanse that yeah. makes my heart uh -huh. do these totally. things I can't even understand. Totally. So, so totally. that's, you know, like what remains is about love, but it's about 
yeah. the bigger question, not like one I person. I totally know what you mean. Like, like, yeah, last year I had a, you know, I went to Sedona, had a similar experience. Like when you're that in That's my last this- night of the tour was in Sedona. That's really, awesome. yeah. It's like, yeah, I was like at Cathedral Rock. You may have gone or Ooh, not. I, I don't didn't. know. No, I had a show in Flagstaff, but I did an Airbnb in the desert just to have, because I had been camping yeah. the whole time and I wanted to like treat myself. So I got a little Airbnb exactly. in Sedona and drove up to Flagstaff. Oh, it was great. It was great. Yeah. It was great. I actually, I actually did acid, which I don't do often. Like my listeners is like going to be like, what Jamie does acid? No, it's no, like, that's cool. It's cool. It was like my, it was like my fourth time in my life that I did it, but yeah. I did I it mean, there. Look, you're talking to the right audience. <laughs> like, yeah, good. Go for it. Open your mind. <laughs> exactly. But I had a similar experience in that. It's like the universe is so much bigger. It's so um, generous. Mm-hmm. It's so big. Like why are we worrying about this stupid shit in my case it was a divorce your case a boyfriend whatever but it was like the same shit it was like like just give in to the universe the universe is so much bigger it is especially when you're alone and then you have that weird mix of wanting to share it with somebody and being like god i wish someone was here and then realizing that the whole point is is that it's yours you know and like yes of course at some point maybe in your life you'll be able to share it with someone but if you can't even enjoy it by yourself then why are you You're, there? But you were meant to enjoy it by yourself at that time. Totally. Like that yeah. was your journey. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. I love it. I, what a yeah. great story, Christina. I mean, <laughs> this is like, we could just talk about your trip for like an hour. So let's oh, just. Oh, don't get me started. Of, I, Cause I will. <laughs> like, like that could be a documentary. I can already like, I can. If you ever want to make it, let's go. We'll drive back to all the feel, places. Oh, I can. I can. This is like a special <laughs> thing. I yeah. love it. I mean, you're just yeah. beaming talking about it, but anyway. Okay, so Nowhere Sounds Lovely. Um, let's talk about a few of the songs, Christina. Um, okay, which one? Let, let's start with Dream Boy, which I loved. Yeah. It was playful. You played it at the, at the, other, the other night at the venue. Uh, super fun, super fun. Um, Thanks. How, how do you look at, at that song like today? You mentioned that some of these songs are a little bit uh, older, but this is totally. a really catchy song. It's really fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's still relevant to you, right? Yeah, especially because it it was, um, how do I say, almost like a joke when it started. I was in Zion, actually, at a campsite, and I had this riff that I thought was really cool. And I something about the word dream boy came to me. I don't know if, how, but I immediately thought of like in the 50s when they had those groups of really saccharine, sweet love song, like teenagers are like, my dream girl, she's walking down the street, like that kind of thing. And I was like, dream boy, what a dumb word. And then I was like, but like, what would my dream boy be like? You know, like what, yeah. what if I were gonna write a modern version of those kinds of songs, who's my dream boy? And that was yeah. really fun because I could just come up with all these different things that I had either seen in a cute guy on the tour and just take one aspect from his outfit. I was like, oh, I like that. That guy had steel steel boots. So I wrote a line where he has silver boots and another guy that has this beautiful long brown hair. And I was like, oh, my dream boy definitely has long brown hair, you know, and. But it's, I I love that you, it's flawed. Like like, like just so people know, like you don't paint the picture of like, I don't know, like Ryan Gosling, like plus Brad Pitt. It's a very like, you paint this like very humane like picture and you can you do it with this riff. The guitar riff? Oh my god! In Dreamboy. Thanks. Yeah, like ding, ding, ding. Um, yeah. yeah <laughs> that, um, yeah. That that's the point, you know, is that he has green eyes and whatever, but he's not so tall. But he'll f your s up. I don't know if I can yeah. swear on here. Um, of course. And so, yeah, I agree. It wasn't supposed to be like here's the perfect man. It was like here are all the things I like, you know. And I've dated people that were not so tall, and I didn't care. I found them very attractive. Like. I, I didn't want some like Prince Charming from Disney. I wanted 
is cool, <laughs> bad. And like, again, things that a shiny dagger and a gun that shoots, like no one in this century probably walks around with a dagger and steel toed boots and has a gun. But it was like a really fun exercise. Like, who is this mysterious mountain person from the past? Like, anyway. Yeah, but oh yeah that, God, that's why it does feel playful is because it, it was. It, it wasn't a real thing about one specific person, you know? I love it. I love it. Well, look, you're being so generous with your time. I do want to play a little game with you, but one more song I want to talk about. Let's talk about the driving song. Yeah. Uh, and it makes sense when you put it in the context of your story and the five-month trip and just the incredible lyrical work here, Christina. I mean, the Thank stuff you. like I turned down the radio, I sing my own true song, you don't have to like it, like that whole lyric. Tell me a little bit about like the just like the writing process for you for a great lyrical song like this one. Yeah, and what's interesting is that the driving song is actually one of the two older songs that didn't come from the trip. I wrote that and Wishing Bone Blues before I went on my trip. I wrote them like the year before sometime. Gotcha. And I actually think that one reflects the depression that I was feeling in LA um, because it, it that was one of the rare songs that genuinely came to me like in, in full almost. I was driving down the 10, which is- Yeah, the highway, I, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nighttime and I'm driving home alone across the 10 that I mean I did that so much I worked in Koreatown at Live Nation at a Live Nation venue called the Wiltern and I lived yeah. in Venice so I took the 10 and then I was always going somewhere and I was always working a lot in LA I had four jobs most of the time but um yeah it that's slogging the highways where to drop this it's kind of it, it really takes a beating on you doesn't it Christina yeah like, it doesn't like, yeah. until it's like until you can't and it depends like if you're driving like that like I have been recently moving I'm sure you understand the pain like you have to go to this place to get this thing and you have to go here to get that right. I've been non-stop for like three weeks and that kind isn't fun but when I'm driving with a destination whether it's a show or a park or mm. a campsite or I I drove to California this summer I drove to North yeah. Dakota this summer nice. the driving has been very interesting for me because I didn't grow up doing it so it had the novelty and I was happy to drive a lot of the time but it gave me a lot of thinking time so that's where that song right. came out of is sitting in this car for countless hours and thinking about like and just feeling sad honestly it was just, I was just sad a lot of the time well, and you know that's what Willie Nelson what Willie Nelson does when people ask Willie when he writes his songs he says I go out for a drive yeah I need an idea yeah, I mean, I don't typically, but that song definitely <laughs> came to me in the car. And um, to your point, I, most of my songs aren't as wordy. They, there's a lot of words in each line. And I kind of wanted to do something like that. It was out of my toolbox. Um, but yeah, it just turned into like, I was dating, I had dated two addicts in a row, which is a lot for someone who doesn't do drugs themselves. I just, the first time I just didn't know. And the second time, I think I was willfully ignorant for a while. And uh, so that whole like, take these burdens away, you can do this on your own. That was like, for me, that whole part of it was just like, I can't take, I can't fix these people anymore. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I am already wow. struggling myself. So that was the the theme of that song still makes me sad, but that's why I love, oh, I'm getting like goosebumps just talking about it. I must be a, a egomaniac. Um, but you know, the, the bridge on that song is a very big rock release. There's like this like finger picking thing and this cool chorus. And then the bridge is like, I'll drive myself right to the brink, drive so long that I can't think. Like, it's just all my emotion came out in that. And I wanted to 
capture that all those years later in the studio when I recorded this song. That's why I put it on the record because it, it just felt like it had a whole range. You know, it was like, I'm sad. Life is difficult. Things are weird. <laughs> oh my God, I need relief. I'm sad. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, there's um, a lot to unpack in that song, but I'm proud of it for sure. Oh my God. Oh my God. It, it, the whole thing, the whole album, Christina. Look, I, you're such a fascinating person. I'm thank you. Being, I needed this ego boost today. So thank you we so are much. Not, we are not going to get through like everything I want to ask now because we would need, yeah, we'd need to take break. It would be like a seminar, like a, like a four day <laughs> Tony Robbins seminar. Like, okay, hey, meal break. I got meal. nowhere to be until 1 p.m. So don't worry. Oh my God, Christina. All right. Let's talk about another one then. Um, Dreaming of Utah. I also loved it. I love that song too. Beautiful song. What's that? Skies are forgiving, but that don't mean it hurts. Woke up finding for mountains for the silence that's haunted when you're truly alone. Nice. Yeah. So that was actually one of the very first songs I wrote after moving to Nashville. So I had just come off this five month tour. I knew in my heart that I had to go somewhere else, but I did it. It was a weird thing. I didn't want to, I wanted to live in LA, but I didn't want to uh, be a musician, an Americana musician in LA. I wanted to go somewhere like Nashville, which is what mm -hmm. I chose, that was closer to both the blues, like Mississippi. And right. there's a lot of places that spawn the blues, but you know, there's Texas blues, there's East Coast, but the Delta blues is really my, my obsession and yeah. going through there and driving through a lot of these places and seeing that, okay, I don't think I can handle living in Mississippi as a Paris raised liberal person you know i don't know if like a rural town in mississippi or in yeah, wherever Nash nashville is a good sweet spot yeah but yeah nashville seemed like i had a friend here she had an, a room opening up and it seemed really just like okay i'm gonna do it you know my stuff's all mostly packed up from the tour anyway so i when, sold whatever. when was this this was how, this how long was ago? uh so I got back in August and I moved by mid-September and I was here uh, October 1st was when I got to, to Nashville. So I um, remember waking up one day and that was a, Dreaming of Utah was another one of the rare songs that came to me like just it just, just came out. Um, it was kind of an exercise in writing a country style song. So there's a little bit of that influence because I hadn't even heard Hank Williams until that summer. I just I was not. Mm the country thing was I was really well versed in the blues by then but the country was like right who's Hank Williams oh my god he's amazing Jerry Reed he's amazing like all these like the Carter family and that was yeah, that summer yeah. so I was like I want to write something like you said three chords and three chords in the truth I wanted to write something slow waltzes or three eight time are usually country not country but there's a lot of country songs that are in that tempo and like um, just a pretty court progression that focused on the feeling I was trying to communicate. And that feeling was like, exactly. I woke up one day after dreaming about Utah and I, you know, seeing nature like that as someone who was raised in cities, as we talked about, just changed my life completely. And like, I woke up in a house again, feeling almost like I didn't want to be in a house. I wish I was still on the road and, and that I learned so much being alone. So yeah, the sky is actually unforgiving in that line. Um, cause it's so, it was like so hot. It's like the desert, right? You're in this red right. sand of the desert in Utah, but it doesn't mean that it's hurting you. You're in fact, you're growing like a little, yeah. and then it's like a little tough love feels as new as a birth. Right. That was me pushing myself with yeah. some tough love, yeah. like being even, in, even in the a cell desert. Phones, even the cell phones, like, I don't know in Utah, but like in Sedona, the cell phone's like kind of useless. Right. A little bit of like, uh huh. I don't know. Just like 
I was so depressed when I left that it was like a little bit of tough love kind of gave me a new birth, but it was my own tough love. No one, and, and the, and the nature too, but no one else was being tough on me. I was just like, get out there. I was walking, I was hiking everywhere, like every day, you know, I would do hikes and it was awesome. It fed my soul and it, it got me better. So like that song is also very meaningful. I'm sure if you ask me about any song, I'll be like, Oh my God, I love it. But, uh, that song was actually very meaningful to me too, because yeah, that's, um, the mountains of greener of stone as well. That was Utah. Cause I found that I did mostly dispersed camping. Once I realized I didn't like being around other people. And, uh, there's this one dispersed spot that was just like insane. I mean, there's these like little mountains that were green, like this green color stone. Yeah. And then like next to these red ones and orange ones and all these strange things and formations, it looked like an alien landscape. And I was just like, I just want to be there again. So that song was like an ode to my travels for sure. Oh my God. Beautiful. Beautiful. Christina. All right. Let's play a little song that we started recently called flip the tune. Um, it's simple. It's it. We're just going to play three 10 second clips of your own songs. Oh God. And, uh, but they're going to be in reverse. Okay. They're going to be in reverse. And we're, we're just going to see how well, you know, your songs, if you can, um, decipher them in reverse, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. I'm very interested in this. Cool. All right. So let's, uh, let's do this. It's called a flip the tune. All right. Let's start with the first one, Christina. It's 10 seconds. All right, here we go with the first one. No, wait, we go. Oh my God, this is driving me crazy. Christina Vane, what's your answer? Is that, that's <laughs> off the new record? Oh, you want some clues? <laughs> No, because um, I want to say it's not. Yeah, it, we, we cover everything. Okay, because it just sounds like record. I was singing. Um, yes, it's not just from the new record. It sounds like I was singing Restless. That is Restless. Oh, good job. That was really hard. <laughs> good job. That was that was pretty solid. Pretty solid on your end to get that one. Okay, let's um, keep going. Okay, what the hell? Okay, here it is. Wait. Sorry, I misplaced the. Okay, here's the second one, Christina Vane. Verse, flip the tune. Oh, this is sending all my love. Yeah, easy. That guitar tone is unmistakable. It's unmistakable. <laughs> all right. Oh, you're killing this. All right, let's do one more for the trifecta. You're doing so good with this. Easy. <laughs> that was hard. Um interesting i thought that was that would be the easiest one for you well that wasn't dreaming of utah was it or badlands no i i I don't know it's badlands oh it was okay i said that second i said because i heard the pedal steel had um tommy hannum does this really cool thing on badlands it sounds like birds it's like 
And I was like, I think that's in there, but I, I couldn't tell. So yeah, it was my that's second bad. choice. Good job. Cool. No, okay, okay, I'll, we'll give it to you. Three for three, Christina Vane. But anyway, well, Christina Vane, I mean, oh my God, you're such a, I mean, look, for, for an amazing artist, Nowhere Sounds Lovely, April 2nd, everyone go check it out. But, uh, but you. you know, the takeaway from here is just like a unique and spectacular human being. Like, <laughs> thank you. No, really, no, 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 like three-dimensional, so complex in every way, like amazing. What a great chat. Thank you so much for your time, Christina. Thank you. No, this was really fun. Thanks for coming to the table with some great stuff to ask me. I, I have never had the pleasure, so. Absolutely. Yeah, and it was nice to see you at the show as well. I appreciate yes. it a lot killed it take cool. care you All too right. bye bye you've been listening to j-rod concerts the podcast with jamie rodriguez